Blog Talk Radio. Another edition of the Total Sports Live podcast here on Blog Talk Radio. I'm Jovan Alford, one half of the dynamic duo here on the TSL podcast, also joined by none other than Harrison Brown of TotalSportsLive.com. He's joining me as well, my other co-host, um, here to break down what happened this weekend in the, in the wild card round of the 2020 NFL playoffs. There was a lot of exciting action uh, starting, you know, starting on Saturday afternoon, uh, Sun Saturday evening with the, the the Texans getting a huge come from behind victory over the Bills in the um, uh, in overtime. We also had the the Titans upset the Patriots. We had the Vikings upset the Saints, and finally the Seahawks beating the Eagles. We're going to discuss all four of those games in depth. You only can hear that here on the Total Sports Live podcast. And if you want to check out this podcast or any other ones you missed, you can check it out here on Blog Talk Radio, on blogtalkradio.com backslash Total Sports Live. Or you can check it out on Apple Podcasts. Just search Total Sports Live uh, on, your, on, on the app. Hit the subscribe button. Leave us a, rev- a rating or a review. We appreciate that as well. And then we're also on um on Spotify. So you just go on Spotify and just search the TSL, TSL podcast from there and just hit the listen button. And download, you'll be able to just follow us and down get all our podcasts uh, from starting this year and all other previous years uh, here on the Total Sports Live uh, podcast. But like I said, you know how I'm always joined by here on the podcast and joined by none other than Harrison Brown. Harrison, how are you doing, my guy? Javon, what's good, bro? Doing good. Tough loss for our uh, our hometown Eagles yesterday, but a lot to discuss and a, a crazy wild card weekend. So I'm looking forward to it, man. Yeah, for sure. You know what? Let's start. Let's start right there talking about the hometown birds. The Eagles lost again in a strange coincidence to the Seattle Seahawks, 17 to 19. And why I say it was a strange coincidence because the last time these two teams played um, in the um, last time these two teams played was back in week 12, where the where the Seahawks also beat the Eagles 17 to 19. Um, this game was a weird one. Um, the, this was supposed to be the coming out party for Carson Wentz. But Wentz goes down eight plays into the game. He gets hit by Jadavian Clowney with a helmet by a helmet to helmet hit by Clowney. Um, that almost looks like you not almost looks like it's a pure definition of targeting. Uh, Wentz goes out of the game um, with a concussion. Um, comes in Josh McCown, the forty-year-old backup, comes in plays well, but just couldn't get the job done. I'm on the other side of the ball. Uh, Russell Wilson did his thing. Wilson was perform- made up for how he played, um, made up for how he played in the team's first meeting with a terrific performance on uh, in the air and off and on the ground. And DK Metcalf was the star of the show um, in this game with a huge rookie performance of seven receptions on nine targets for 160 yards and a touchdown. But Harrison, this was supposed to be the game that everybody was waiting for. Everyone was excited to see Wentz. 
and company, you know, after winning four straight games to, you know, finally see Wentz in his playoff debut, and it gets cut short by a freak injury, even though people want to say that this man is injury-prone, he couldn't not stop himself from getting a concussion the way that he did. Yeah, this definitely isn't an injury-prone or not injury-prone situation. Um, it's a bang-bang football play. It's a freak situation. It's a very unfortunate situation. Like you said, this was supposed to be Carson's coming-out party in the playoffs. First playoff game over the past two years, he's been injured for the playoffs. It went with Nick Foles. Now this year, a few plays in, he gets hurt. They have to turn to Josh McCown. It's frustrating in that sense. It's frustrating in the sense that everyone around this area and really across um, football fans and just people who watch football, everyone wanted to see Carson Wentz in that playoff game. We've seen a lot of magic from him in the regular season. Obviously, everybody talks about the 2017 season. He was going to be the MVP of the league. This year, he did a very good job rallying around what they had, strung together these last four wins. Um, Whether they were ugly or pretty, they were wins. The Eagles get in the playoffs. They hold a home playoff game. Excitement is high. And unfortunately, the injury happens. You know, a a lot of different takes about the Clowney play. Myself, personally, I don't think it was intentionally a dirty play. I I don't think Clowney was jumping, try to hurt Carson. I don't think it was something where, you know, he's trying to take him out of the game. I don't believe that at all. I think it was a bang-bang football play. I think Wentz is a very magic quarterback. He's got a lot of escapability. There have been times where Carson looks like he's down. He gets out of it and picks up 20 more yards. I think Clowney was kind of just trying to make sure the play was over, just didn't do it in the right way. Do I think there should have been a penalty? Yes. Do I think you could argue that it was targeting? Sure. I think a lot of the plays that we've seen this year, there's been a lot less that's gotten someone kicked out of a game than that. It's the playoffs, tough decision for the refs, kind of a bang-bang play. I would have liked the flag. I I don't think I would have ejected Clowney. I, I don't think it was malicious. I don't think it was really intentional. Um, and I definitely don't think Clowney's a dirty player. I think it was kind of a bang-bang play that unfortunately went the wrong way for the Eagles. No, you're right about that. Um, Yeah, like you said, I wouldn't call Clowney a dirty player, but in my my viewpoint, I thought it was a dirty play. It was an illegal play. It was an illegal play. I mean, like you said, for the way that the games have been called, especially for the quarterbacks, we've seen quarterbacks get rough in the past. We've seen rough in the past there. Uh, go for a lot less of the type for a lot less over you know on on the type of play that went got hurt on. I mean, we just look later in the game. Derek Barnett gets called for roughing the passer on a play where, yeah, in real time, it looks it looks horrible. But on a replay, you look at it, it's like oh, so he got pushed into Russell Wilson. And again, another thing, stopping your momentum. You can't stop his momentum. Boom. Uh, rough in the passer call leads to a um, Seattle touchdown uh, for the Seahawks. So like you said, it was it was it what, what did he do it with malicious intent? No, he didn't. Was it a was it was it a was it an illegal hit? Yes, you can make it. Was it targeting? Yes, like you said, you can make it um, that way. Does that did that play completely change the complexion of the entire football game? Yes, I mean everybody was wanting to see Wentz versus Wilson especially with how this Eagles offense has been rolling, regardless of who they played in these last four games. Shoot, even if you want to include the Miami game, the way this offense played, and to see him go down the way he did and not be able to, you know, give this team a chance, especially with how, the way that they lost, only losing by eight, um, it, 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 just, it, just leaves, it just leaves the wonder and speculation that if Wentz was able to stay, if Wentz didn't get hurt there, 
I think I think and a lot of people have said this, you know, the Eagles come away with that victory. And it's crazy because they almost did with Josh McCown. I mean, really the game was there. You know, we, we can talk about the injury all day and how it changed the complexity of the game. It absolutely did. McCown hadn't played right. any meaningful snaps for the Eagles this year. I don't even think Since he took any two. preseason reps. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right. He's played very limited week two, but meaningful, like, real game reps, he's never seen any with the Eagles. He's never played with Doug Peterson as his play caller before. And they were still right there. I mean, they have the two drives where they're down in the red zone. You can argue maybe they should have kicked the field goal. I don't mind going for it. I think you're down there. You have your backup quarterback in. The defense has been playing very well. You're expecting them to get a stop. I mean, I kind of like the decision to go for it on both times. If they convert on those, we could be talking about, you know, Eagles versus Green Bay next week. And (laughs) would Josh McCown be starting that game, yada, yada, blah, blah. I mean, they really had opportunities to win the game. The defense played fantastic all night long. And honestly, for Josh McCown really having not seen reps since last year with the Jets, he looked pretty good. I mean, he delivered the ball on time. He moved the pocket very well for a 40-year-old who had to play football all season. Um, we got to remember that he was retired. He was ready to be a high school head coach, work for ESPN a little bit, all that. They pull him out of retirement early in the year when Sudfeld gets hurt um, with the arm injury. McCown was a great leader for this team. Dan Orlovsky has posted a lot about McCown's leadership and how he's rallying around these young guys and how it's important and how he's out on the field clapping up Austin Scott and Crib on the Blanc and whoever it may be, Greg Ward. Um, so he's definitely a valuable player to this team. I think it was a good pickup. and I think it proved to be a good pickup yesterday. Um, as much as I'm a Nate Sudfeld fan, I think he has enormous potential, great size, great arm, good ability to move. McCown was the better option for yesterday than Nate Sudfeld, 100%. And going into the year, it looked like Sudfeld would have been the number two. Um, right. So I definitely, you know, you got to give a lot of credit to McCown. Delivered the ball on time, threw guys open, moved the pocket well. Um, didn't really look like he missed a beat. He, you know, obviously there was a little bit of acclimation. They had to take a timeout on the first play. He almost fell down trying to give the handoff to Boston Scott. Um, you know, small stuff like that. But overall, I thought he played really well. And I thought that this Eagles team, I mean, they're down to it. They're down to – this is like a fourth preseason game opening lineup. You know, it's – we were down to it. The receiving core was completely banged up for most of the second half, the back end of the season. And they fought. I mean, they were right there with the Seahawks. They had opportunities to win the game. So I think there's a lot, a lot of positives to take into next year. I, I don't think that this is completely a wash. I think that this season where the Eagles cumulatively – Went 9-8, and eight. I think we saw a lot of positives. I think we saw a bunch of heart, an untangible amount of heart. I mean, they, they battled every game. They really gave it their all. So a lot of positives for me. It is frustrating when you have opportunities to win the game, when you're in the red zone twice on fourth and shorts. You want to convert those. And, you know, just as banged up as we are, as underdogs as we are, we're right there. We can win the game. So that's what's frustrating about yesterday. And that's where I think Carson Wentz makes the difference at, in the red zone, because there's just things that he can do in the red zone that, like you said, that an older McCown can do. There's certain play calls that they can go to, the bootlegs, you know, the the rollouts, you know, things that you don't want to put McCown in to do, even though, even though we did get read option McCown on the QB draw. (laughs) Yes, we did. I mean. He he was excited to do it. I mean, he got 10 yards easily, and that kind of shows you that that season. Yeah, and that kind of shows you that that this Seahawks defense isn't that good. They're <laughs> not that good for 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 and 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 I, and I kept on thinking about that this whole 
yes, after yesterday's game and today's, and, and today I was just like today, which is Monday. People probably listen to this probably Tuesday. But, you know, look, thinking about it, thinking more about the game, I was like, the Seahawks aren't that good on defense. They should have washed this team with McCown in there. But they didn't. They only stuck my, stuck, snuck by by only eight points. I hear you. The Eagles, they moved the field all night long. You really can't argue it. McCown pushed the ball downfield. The running game looked good. Um, what I will say is, obviously, everyone has an opinion about the, the hit on Wentz, but Davion Clowney, man, how did he become underrated? Like, what happened to the point where Davion Clowney went from first pick in the draft, superstar? I know he's dealt with injuries along the way. I know he's been paired with J.J. Watt, but, man, that guy is a very, very good edge rusher. He's a very good defensive football player. Um, he's kind of just a freak of nature, and he gave the Eagles problems all night long, whether it was Viatai yeah. or whether it was Jason Peters or whether he stunted inside. He gave the Eagles problems all night long. Um, his final stat line wasn't anything uh, absurd, but the presence that he had on the game, the presence that he had on the running game, I think that was very important. Um, I, I'll agree with you that that defense isn't really that good. Like, their secondary isn't very, very scary at all. Uh, I think Aaron <laughs> Rodgers and Devontae Adams have some openings next weekend. Um, I like Flowers. I think he's a good young player with good size. He got himself mm-hmm. into problems yesterday, though, with pass interference against Shelton Gibson and Greg Ward. Listen, you're Shelton going up against Gibson. Devontae Adams this week. <laughs> Shelton Gibson. We will talk about him a lot this summer leading up to camp, both big Shelton Gibson fans. It was kind of crazy to see him out there in the playoff game, but that really tells you how thin, how, how dry the Eagles were with receivers, mm-hmm. with pass catchers. It was a tough night. I mean, they went with so many three tight end sets with uh, yeah. Ertz, Goddard, and Perkins. Richard Rodgers right. made his way into the game. Uh, they just went with so many three tight end sets, especially after Wentz went down when McCown was in. Right. It just limits right. how much you can do. It does some things for the running game. Yes, it, it helps tighten things up, but it puts everyone in the box. So it's really a numbers game. It, it makes it a little bit harder to run the ball. You do have more numbers and more guys who are good at run blocking, but when you're spread out, that opens things up. It puts the slot corner in the game rather than a sub linebacker, which we saw the Seahawks do a lot yesterday. So they were they were dry. They were they were really just out of options on offense. Doug Peterson, it's he had to get super creative in the sense that he had to kind of cut everything back. It was a very basic offense. He's running with his second string quarterback, quarterback who we've never really called plays for. They they went out there and they moved the ball though. The red zone, like you said though, the red zone they were they didn't really have anything. And just went his escapability. Even if they mm-hmm. call a similar play call, normal pass. Wentz goes through his progressions, Wentz goes through his read, nothing's there. He can roll out. He can buy some time, right. either make the move to go for the end zone, or he can make some time for a receiver to pop open, scramble exactly. down, just find an open exactly. space, sit in the back of the end zone, run towards Wentz. So there is things that would have came with that. McCown moved the pocket well. He moved around well. He obviously picked up the first down, did the whole first down signal. and that, I mean, that's awesome. That's a 40-year-old quarterback. Like, what's going on here? But uh, it's just not the same in terms of, you know, how the defensive line can get pressure. It's much harder to tackle Carson Wentz than it is to tackle Josh McCown. And it showed in the red zone. They, they did not look good in the red zone. They couldn't convert in the red zone. You know, if they had kicked the field goals, maybe they're a little bit closer. They can chip away. I don't really fault the decision to go for it, though. I, I think it was the right decision. But I think Carson Wentz being out there, I think if Carson Wentz plays the full game, I do think they win. But I think even with Josh McCown, they had opportunities to win. So that's kind of where it's at. You can play the speculation game of, well, if Wentz was out there, they would have won. I agree with that. But unfortunately, that didn't happen, and they still had opportunities to win. 
that's kind of where the, the somber months of January and February will uh, will leave us Eagles fans until draft season, free agency, and all that, and we can start thinking about the 2020 season. Yeah, no, I I, I think I, I completely agree with what you said. And like you said, this season, you know, it was kind of – it was weird because, like I said, when Wentz went down, it was kind of like the, the energy from the game. You can just see the energy just, you know, went down. Uh, went down and you know they try but it's like almost and then we see it in sports in general right Cinderella it eventually cr- the, the clock strikes midnight on Cinderella right it eventually happens you don't know when it's going to happen you know in 2017 for the Eagles it struck midnight in the Super Bowl when they won you know but this time around it just wasn't it, it just wasn't meant it, like you said it just wasn't meant to be and you know like you said when you're running out there you know four fifth six string seven string wide receivers you know guys who you know guys who actually got more open than your regular wide receivers which is a problem <laughs> that they were able to get open and your older guys weren't outside of Deshaun Jackson because I don't put them in there I'm talking more so to Alshon and Aguilar that's a problem that's a problem and that's also telling at the um, same time and like I said when you just look at this game in general like I said Jadavian Clowney it made an impact on his game. Quentin Jefferson made an impact in the middle of, in, as well uh, for Seattle. Like I said, that back four definitely has some issues. That, that The back seven at, in general has some issues. I'm not sure their linebackers, I mean, they got Bobby Wagner, but I mean, geez, Luis, Cody, Cody Barton was hugging Dallas Goddard in that fourth quarter, and they didn't yeah. call nothing. Nothing. He's literally hugging them. They don't call nothing. Like you said, Shaquille, Shaquille Griffin had his issues covering with the Shelton Gibson. He was, I think he was over there with Shelton Gibson. Like I said, Trey Flowers on the Greg Ward, um, on the Greg Ward, on the Greg Ward play, there are some issues there. So, I mean, it's just, like you said, it was just a microcosm and everything. And just like the first game, the first game, it was just, you know, Russell Wilson just made some more plays to beat him. And that just what happened. Russell Wilson made the plays and, um, and, and got it done. And you can't fault this team. I don't think nobody should be angry at this Eagles team for how the season went. It it turned out better than what it was possibly going to be. So you, you you can't do nothing, you know, but but respect it. You know, you can't you and for the and for all the players that played hard, guys who were literally no one didn't know about two months ago came in and made plays, you know, putting you know, playing their playing their hearts out, playing for a job, you know, either with the Eagles or somewhere else, you know. These guys play hard and, you know, you gotta you you gotta you gotta give it to me like I say you gotta give it to the coaching staff for coaching these guys up especially for guys like the Robert Davises the Boston Scotts the the Deontay Burnett's you know uh, the Greg Ward Juniors the Josh Perkins uh, you know the Sidney Joneses you know Marcus Epps who played a lot down the stretch which is surprising um, the defensive line you know the the Huggins the Rushes the Anthony Rushes in the in the middle of the defensive line at the at defensive tackle the emergence of Josh Sweat I mean. All those things, you know, Craven LeBlanc. It's amazing what happened when the Eagles secondary got better when Craven LeBlanc was finally healthy. Imagine if he was healthy the entire season. Maybe the secondary isn't so bad. So, I mean, you put that all in, put all that in, put all those ingredients into the pot. I think anybody, like you said, was you wanted a better season ending with Carson Wentz? You would. Would it be better if the Eagles lost with Carson Wentz at the helm? Yeah, totally. And I think a lot of football fans feel that way. They would have rather seen. Well, Wilson versus instead of Winston, Wilson versus McCown, but McCown, you know, did what he had to do, and you, you know, and you hope that you hope that the Eagles take and learn from this situation and get better and improve 
in certain uh, in certain situations. So uh, that's going to wrap up Eagles talk here on the podcast, and we got to move on uh, to the next game where we're going to go. We're going to flip it in reverse, going back to Saturday afternoon. Saturday evening between the Bills and the Texans. This was a wild game. The Bills came out like gangbusters up sixteen to zero going into the going into the um going into the second half. Well Deshaun Watson pulled off some magic and was able, you know, the the Willis team to victory. Um the de- the Texans defense, they had a they played tremendous in the second half. They got their act together. Uh Josh Allen kinda imploded, which is gonna happen with a young quarterback in their, in their first playoff game they're not going to you know they're going to have their they're going to have their rookie moments in the playoffs and that's what happened Texans escaped with a 22 to 19 victory in overtime they'll be moving on to take on the Kansas City Chiefs a team who they played early or in earlier in the season if I'm not mistaken in Kansas City so another uh rematch game for it's not for some reason I feel like we're seeing a lot of rematches in the playoffs this season uh but yeah Harrison what was your thoughts uh, from from this game, I just love the way Deshaun Watson plays. Um, I think he has a unique skill set and it really showed on that last play of the game. That's just kind of one of those plays where uh, nine out of ten quarterbacks aren't going to make that play, and he makes it. He avoids two people hitting him, finds his way out of it, scrambles to the right spot, and throws the ball on time. Uh, he's a very impressive quarterback. I think if there are a team every year where there's always expectations with the Texans, and this is dating back to like the Matt Schwab era. There's always expectations with the Texans. They could be a very good team. They could make that Super Bowl run. Um, and they always kind of underperform. Regular season-wise, it's kind of been that way. First half of this game, it was definitely that way. Uh, I love the fights they showed. I love the intensity they showed in the second half of that game to get back into it. They have a very good very good group of receivers. They have a good defense. They have a good quarterback. It feels like the type of team that could put something together, but it's just there's there's something missing there. They're not complete yet. They need to go into the offseason and, and make some adjustments to the offensive line, add in some more defensive pieces, shore up that secondary. Um, I'm just not 100% on Houston still. I, I think they played a pretty ugly game, even though they won it in overtime against Buffalo. Buffalo has got a good young group. Uh, they weren't really, you know, nobody was really factoring Buffalo into really being a Super Bowl contender this year. They're still pretty young. They've got a lot of things that they need to improve on. But they showed a lot throughout the season. I don't think anybody would disagree with me there. I think Josh Allen is a very, very promising quarterback. I think he's got the potential to be one of the more exciting quarterbacks in the NFL. I think he needs to refine his game a little bit, tone a few things down. Uh, Obviously, you know, the crazy man attitude on the field, it's fun. It creates a lot of big plays. It makes a lot of things happen for them. Protecting the football is very important. Uh, I really did not like that lateral with a minute left in the game. I understand what you're trying to do, trying to spark something, and if it worked, we'd all be talking about how great it was, but just a little too risky. You know, go down, get the yards you got. He already picked up some positive yardage. It was a positive play. You know, spike the ball, run another play, do what you got to do. It just wasn't that dire for him to really put the football in that much jeopardy, to put the game in that much jeopardy. Um, But I, I like what he does. I think he's a little bit too wild out there. I think he needs to tone a few things in, but I, I think he's got all the potential in the world. I think that Buffalo can help him this offseason by going out and adding more receivers. And I like what they have in Devin Singletary. Obviously, you're going to touch a little bit more on him and his performance yesterday. But I think they have some of the pieces there. I think you go out, you add a few more pieces, you put a few receivers in. I think Josh Allen really needs a number one receiver there with him. 
someone that he can put the ball too deep, put the ball to whenever he needs it. Um, so, yeah, I think Buffalo has a lot of good building pieces. This wasn't really their game. Houston was definitely the better team. Houston's the team at home. Sean Watson has played some playoff games. Hopkins has obviously played in a few. Coach O'Brien's coached in a bunch. So I, I think it's not surprising to see Houston come out of this game, but I think that there are still falls with this Houston team. And if they want to upset Kansas City, they cannot play like they did against Buffalo. They cannot go to the half down as much as they were. They cannot struggle as much in the first half. It will be a much tougher challenge to come back on Kansas City than it was on Buffalo. Again, Once again, completely agree with you. And, and another thing for the Texans is that they're going to have to protect Deshaun Watson a little bit better. Deshaun Watson was sacked seven times against Buffalo's defense. And I know Casey's defense isn't up to par against, you know, uh, uh, up the par as to Buffalo's, but still, seven sacks is inexcusable. It's inexcusable, and they need to be better. Um, like you said, DeAndre Hopkins, he was silent for the first half, but he came alive, six receptions on eight targets for 90 yards. He played really he played really well, and it's going to be interesting for the Texans' offense as well to see if they can get this running game going because Deshaun Watson led the team with 55 rushing yards and a, touch, and a rushing touchdown. I don't know if you want him leading rushing again going in uh in, in going into next weekend's game. I think you wanna possibly get Carlos Hyde more involved, maybe more Duke Johnson, you know, just mix it up a little bit uh more just because your quarterback you don't want a quarterback always to have to play, you know, Superman all the time, you know. But we love to see it, but you don't want to. And hopefully for the Texans they get Will Fuller back because that's a huge dimension of their offense that they're missing. And you could tell that they were missing it in the Buffalo game. Uh, on on Saturday because if they have Will Fuller, that changes the whole complexity of their offense. It stretches the field more vertically. It opens up the passing lanes a little bit more because they have to account for that deep threat. So if he can go, that's going to be huge. If he can't, then we're gonna they're going to have to piecemeal it together in the passing game. But like you said, they cannot cannot start out slow. On Buffalo, like you said, I I agree with you with the with the Bills. I think they do need to draft wide receiver. Luckily for them. <laughs> This is a very good uh, wide receiver class, um, and they will have their options in late in the first round. You know, they'll have their options. You know, maybe they're the Henry Ruggs, or maybe we're talking T. Higgins, or maybe we're talking uh, Lavishka Chenault out of out of Colorado, or maybe they're going, maybe they're making them out Tyler Johnson or Jalen Rager who could sneak up into late first round. But I think they need to get, like you said, they need that number one wide receiver option out there. You know that can that 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 Allen can get the ball to. You know, for as much as so as much as we love John Brown, John Brown's getting older. You know, and and defenses are going to key on him, especially when you don't have another threat opposite of him. Cole Beasley's cool, but he should be in the slot. You need that other outside perimeter wide receiver to help him out. Maybe that's in the draft. Maybe it's in free agency with a guy like Robbie Anderson. Who knows? But like you said, Josh Allen, he need, they need to give him another some more receiving targets, younger receiving options. In addition to what already to what he already has, and something that puzzled me in this game as well, like you mentioned with Devin Singletary, uh, the Bills stopped going to him, which was puzzling to me because he was playing really well. He was really, you know, picking up, uh, averaging almost, oh, averaging over four yards a carry, you know, 58 rushing yards on 13 carries, and he also had a 76 receiving yards. Uh, Devin Singletary was a guy that I was really high on uh, coming out of last year's draft class. It was a good, this was a that was a guy actually I thought the Eagles should have gotten. Uh, because just of his skill, his playmaking ability, reminds me 
almost of LaShawn McCoy 2.0. Like, I, that's who he reminds me of when he plays. He reminds me of a younger McCoy. Now, do I think Eagles got a good running back, too? Absolutely. Miles Sanders is a stud. And I think Buffalo got a good one, too, in Singletary. And I think in the moments in that game when Josh Allen's acting a little erratic and the passing and the deep stuff isn't there, there was moments where, and we've seen Doug Peterson do this, you know, with, with Carson Wentz. Just check down to the screen pass. Just check it down to the screen pass and let your offensive lineman just get out and start bowling people over. Because you got a guy in Singletary, just like Miles Sanders, who can make guys miss and pick up extra yards, and maybe that changes the whole dynamic of the game where you're not, you know, throwing, where you're not, you know, taking unillivised sacks or, you know, lateral in the ball and getting away with it or, you know, running a vert pattern with a fullback and he's being double covered down the field. That That's just not, you know, going to get it done. But like you said, I think, like you said, Buffalo is a team that's going to be on the rise in the AFC for years to come, you know, depending on what happens in New England. Could Buffalo be the team to be in the AFC East? Could they be AFC East champs? Uh, as early as next year is definitely, um, is definitely a possibility. So we will, um, see about that. This is the Total Sports Live podcast here on Block Talk Radio. This is Joe Von Offer, always joined by, uh, my co-host, uh, Harrison Brown, also from TotalSportsLive.com. Uh, and Harrison, since we talking, since we mentioned them, we mentioned the Patriots, we might as well talk about them. They were upset, uh, by the Titans 20 to 13. Uh, this was a not a surprising game. A lot of people thought that the Titans could pull the upset, especially with how they were playing as of late, just like how the Eagles were playing as of late against the uh, coming down the stretch. Uh, they kept the game plan simple. You know, wasn't a lot of Ryan Tannehill throwing because we know how good of a pass of a secondary and pass defense the Patriots have been. It was all running the ball. Derrick Henry monster game, 34 carries, 182 yards uh, for for the former Alabama. Uh, running back, just monstrous performance. Tom Brady struggled in this game. It looked almost like Father Tom was catching up up to him, 20, 20 out of 37 for 209 yards and a touchdown interception. Just, it, just, it, just wasn't a, it just wasn't a good way for Brady to go out. He was able to pick six at the end of the game. Two former Patriots cornerback, Logan Wright, who almost had one earlier in the game. He gets one at the end. Just, it wasn't the best Patriot team we've seen, or even the second or third best Patriot team that we've seen over the Brady Bilicek uh, tenure. Yeah, I, I know it wasn't surprising for a lot of people. I know that the Titans were a trendy upset pick. I myself was very surprised. Uh, just in the way that the Patriots played, how sloppy they looked, how ineffective they looked, how Brady had problems, how they just they just didn't have it. You know, they they did not have it. They, they should have ran the ball a little bit more, and that's tough to say because the Titans have a very good defense. Um, Mike Vrabel does a very good job over there. They have a good defensive line. But I would have liked to have seen a little bit more Sony Michelle just to kind of even out the problems that they were having throwing the ball. But I don't, I don't think this is the end of the Brady-Belichick New England run. I just For me, who are they going to get at quarterback that gives them a better opportunity to win the Super Bowl next year than 43-year-old Tom Brady? You know, maybe Cam Newton. Cam Newton might give them a better shot. But, like, outside of that, I don't really know who would be better than Tom Brady to run that offense to put them in the best position to win. And I say Cam Newton because Cam Newton is still an elite quarterback, in my opinion. But I think Brady is right there, and I think Brady's still probably better than Cam Newton. This is Tom Brady we're talking about. We all have to remember that. He made some very good throws in this game. He hit Julian Edelman. 
on that one throw late in the game with an absolute dime on the corner route. I, I think Brady has a lot more football left in him. He just played another full season, didn't miss a game. That's a commonplace for Tom Brady outside of the one year that he was suspended and obviously the one time he tore his ACL. But, I mean, he's durable. He still has it. He led the Patriots this year to a 12-4 and record. Um, I, I get it. This wasn't their best year. I get it. This definitely was not Tom Brady's best year. He didn't throw the ball as good as he normally does. But we can't just, you know, we obviously have expectations from Tom Brady. We can't just go saying that the Patriots should move on from Tom Brady next year. Because my, my thing is, who are they going to get and how are they going to get them that is going to give them a better shot at winning the Super Bowl next year? Because this is New England. I mean, listen, obviously first-round playoff exit, crazy. Oh, my goodness, blow it up. Who, who doesn't have them as a 2020 Super Bowl candidate? They're absolutely still a Super Bowl candidate. They have a lot of talent. Defense probably had one of its best years, like, in the Belichick era this year. Their defense was dominant all season. I had them in fantasy. I can vouch for them. They were, like, my best fantasy player every single week. They have a dominant defense. The offense needs some retooling. I like Kill Harry. Obviously, Julian Edelman, very good player, getting older, but very good player. You put another receiver outside, like they tried to do with Antonio Brown early in the season, but that didn't work out. You put another receiver outside. You put a new tight end in there. I think moving forward from Ben Watson, obviously very good player for a long time, did a lot of great things in this league. He's 39 years old, and he's their starting tight end. You put a good tight end in there, I think the Patriots are right back to it, and I don't think there's anybody better to do it with than Tom Brady at quarterback. That's the crazy part. I think that's being. I think you brought up a great point, and that's been criminally um, not brought up enough. Is the use of the tight end? The Patriots have been known to use the tight end effectively. One tight end, two tight end sets. You know, almost like the Eagles. The Eagles have now become the team that uses the two tight end, the two tight end set efficiently. And that was something the Patriots used to do. And not having a Gronkowski, a Gronkowski or Hernandez. You know that 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 hurt them, and especially not having Gronk this year it hurt them. And they have they had the crazy part is they had a tight end, they had a Jacob Hollister who was starting at tight end for the Seattle Seahawks, but they traded him away I think for like a seventh round pick. So you add that in there, you add the trade for Muhammad Sanu for a second round pick, which was just mind boggling. Um, that didn't pay off whatsoever at all for him. Like I said, Edelman's you know he's getting older. Um, Nikhil Harry, like you said, this is a kid that missed the first eight games due to an injury, but, you know, showed some flashes towards the end. You know, Philip Dorsett had his moments here and there, but they just need to upgrade those skill positions to help out Tom Brady. But then I look at the Eagles, I say, but look at the skill position players the Eagles had, you know, and I'm sure, you. you know, at wide receiver that they had, the Patriots had better wide receivers than the Eagles. But, like you said, you just mix in. I think the tight not having a legitimate tight end outside of Ben Watson, I think, like you said, I think that hurt them. Um, that hurt them a lot. And then the running game really wasn't explosive as it should have been. Sony Michelle really was a really was a disappointment this year. Maybe that's because the offensive line was banged up and not being able to have an Isaiah win, you know, on that offensive line helping to anchor it, you know. Michelle was pretty much an afterthought, which is which is wild to which is wild to say. You know, a lot of the times in the games, you know, down the stretch, you know, or even during the season, you barely saw Sony Michelle. Sony Michelle, excuse me. It was more so the likes of a Rex Burkhead or uh, or a James White. So I mean, there's a lot of like I said, there's a lot of questions 
about this Patriots team. Does Brady stay in New England with Belichick, you know, or does with Belichick or does Brady go somewhere else? Does he go to the Chargers maybe, you know, would that even be a thing? Would he have better weapons out there? Sure. Would it look weird for him to be playing uh, with playing in Chargers blue and not Patriots blue? Yes. Could it happen? Maybe. Could he end up at the Indianapolis Colt? Maybe. Would it happen? I don't think so. Who knows what Tom Brady's going to do? I think the ball, it, it the ball is in Brady's court and is also in Robert Kraft's, you know, court and 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 is in it's in the Patriots court. What do they want to do? Do they want to resign him for another couple of years, or do they just want to say, hey, Tom, I think we're moving on to the future now. Who do they fix pick as their future? That's a that's a that's a um that's a tough question. I mean. Do they go for a guy like a Teddy Bridgewater, maybe? Or do they go for that a guy? I think Bridgewater. Huh? That would be fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Bridgewater, or do they go with a guy like, you know, do they go with a guy like Josh Rosen, a guy who's been traded and haven't had a fair shot? You know, a guy that's still technically young, too. <laughs> or, you know, a, a temp for a, a number 10 overall, another 10. A temp overall pick, you know, a guy that really hasn't gotten a fair shot yet at starting. Do the Patriots take a shot on him and say, you know what, maybe we'll bring back Brady for one more year, but we're going to sign a Josh Rosen. We're going to trade for a Josh Rosen and, you know, develop him under our system for a year. And then when Brady is ready to hang it up, Josh Rosen steps in to be a guy. The guy, do they do that? Do they draft somebody in the, do they, do they Do they draft a quarterback in the, in the, in the draft? That's another possibility that they could float around. But regardless of what they do, it's going to be interesting all season because whatever they do, you could probably agree agree with me, Harrison, in that it could it could shake and shape the AFC East, but also the AFC as a whole for the foreseeable future. Definitely, definitely, the Patriots are always one of the top contenders in the AFC year in and year out. I mean, this wasn't even their best team. Baltimore is the scariest team in the AFC this year by far. But it, it would be foolish to have before this week considered New England just completely out of it. I mean, it's Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. It's Josh McDaniel. It's the group that they have, Julian Edelman. Uh, the list goes on and on. They're one of the most experienced playoff teams. They are the most experienced playoff team in the NFL. And, and I mean, at any given time, they can go out and do it. I really love the Teddy Bridgewater comment because I think that he is by far one of the, the 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL next year. I think that, that would be pretty crazy to see uh, him in New England. I don't know if that will wind up happening. I, I still think that they stick with Brady, but Teddy's a good one. Teddy's definitely right up there in most qualified backup or replacement for Tom Brady plans. Josh Rosen, he was a guy that I was really high on in that draft class. He was one of my favorite guys in that class. I thought he had a lot of potential. A lot of talent. I'm not convinced that Josh Rosen is done yet. I think that the two situations he's been in have been very rough, very dire situations. Arizona last year with Steve Wilkes as the head coach, I mean, they just did not have it going on. They were the worst team in the league. Wound up getting the first pick in the draft. Cliff Kingsbury comes in. He runs a completely different style. Wouldn't really fit Rosen as much. Made the decision to go Kyler Murray. They trade him to Miami. Miami's not a good situation this year. Brian Flores is building up a program, and Miami's a team I'm excited about. I think they have a great head coach in Brian Flores. I think Fitzpatrick is 
One of yeah, the most no. talented old quarterbacks. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think Fitzpatrick is one of the most talented, you know, older quarterbacks in the league. I think you put Fitzpatrick on a good team, I think you could take him to the playoffs. Like 9-7, and 10-6. I would love to see, mm-hmm. you know, Fitzpatrick in a situation like that. I doubt it happens at this point. But this year, I, I do put a little bit more fault on Rosen than last. I just feel like he had the opportunity this year. I felt like it was mm-hmm. there. They put him in as the starter, and then they pull him for Fitzpatrick for the rest of the year. So um, we'll see. We'll see what happens with Rosen. I think that if they were to keep Brady and try to develop someone as a backup, I think Rosen would be a very good candidate. If they could get him for the cheap, let him sit for a year, let him learn from Tom for a year, I would love that. They have sit him on the roster. Obviously, he's a talented guy out of Auburn. Is he the future? Is he the future starting quarterback? Yet to be seen. You know, we'll know more about him next preseason when we see him get game reps um, and just throughout training camp what we hear from the beat reporters and stuff. But it, it'll be the storyline of the offseason to see where Tom Brady goes for sure. Um, you know, everything that happens with whether the Patriots re-sign him, whether they let him walk, and will there continue to be a dialogue in free agency? Who will be interested in Tom Brady? I think the two teams you mentioned are definitely the top two candidates in Los Angeles Chargers, almost in San Diego. <laughs> Los Angeles Chargers and uh, the Indianapolis Colts. It would give Brady some good weapons, whether it be Keenan Allen or T.Y. Hilton. But we'll just have to see. It's going to be a waiting game, and it will be a very interesting waiting game. Most definitely. And we have a few more minutes left here on the uh, on the Total Sports Live podcast as we break down the uh, wild card weekend of, you know, of the 2020 NFL playoffs. And before we wrap, we do got to talk about, like I said, one more game, and that is uh, that is Saints versus Vikings. This was another uh, wild game, you know, a game that a lot of people thought that, you know, the Vikings should have. That, that 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 a lot of people have picked that said the Saints should walk away this with this game. This is a team that a lot of people thought that could, you know, possibly represent the NFC in the um in the in the Super Bowl, but that wasn't meant to be with Minnesota defeating the Saints twenty six to twenty um in overtime. Kirk Cousins, he made plays down the stretch that needed to happen. Uh he finished the game uh with, you know, nineteen of thirty one for two hundred and forty two yards, a touchdown. Uh Dalvin Cook had another solid game with 28 carries for 94 yards and two touchdowns. And uh, Adam Thielen, a guy that's been, that, that was dealing with a nagging injury during the second half of the season, two receptions uh, – no, not two receptions, that's Stephon Diggs, excuse me. He had seven receptions <laughs> for 129 yards, and he rebounded from a first-quarter fumble. But, Harrison, I think this game, while it is more important about how Kirk Cousins played, I think a lot of people are looking at Drew, Drew Brees and how, he, and how bad he played. They came out flat, New Orleans. They did. They they played a very flat start of the game. They played kind of flat at the end of the game. They wound up fighting and, and clawing their way back into the game. But in overtime, the Vikings just drove down the field on the Saints. They Kirk Cousins, that was the best drive of Kirk Cousins' NFL career, for sure, in that overtime. I mean, he put the ball in the money to Thielen on that deep one. Good fade ball to Rudolph in the back of the end zone. But, yeah, it, it is disappointing with the way that New Orleans played as a whole. I won't say that Drew played bad. I, I mean, Drew's a very good quarterback. Drew's one of the best quarterbacks ever, one of the most underrated quarterbacks. Uh, he's lethal with the ball. He knows where to put it. I thought he did good things yesterday. Saints, it's it's disappointing. I mean, they went 13-3. and three. The past few years have been very, very rough for them. Uh, they've been a contender both years, obviously the first time with the Minnesota Miracle and then last year 
with the blown P.I. call. I'd argue that maybe this one stings a little bit more because this is a very talented team. They're 13-3. and three. They're looking like they could be the scariest team in the NFC, despite the fact that they didn't get the bye. I mean, San Francisco is generally unproven in the playoffs. And Green Bay, as good as they are, it's not thought that they the Saints couldn't have potentially. Right, right. It was there for the Saints. I mean, if they run up against Green Bay in the conference championship, at two thirteen and three teams, two veteran quarterbacks, Drew Brees versus Aaron Rodgers, talk to me in the fourth quarter. You know what I mean? Like, we'll see. The Saints could have <laughs> definitely won that game. Um, so it's really disappointing to see them kind of fall flat on their face, especially in the first half against this Vikings team. Right. I think the Vikings have a good crew. I think the Vikings played a phenomenal game yesterday. I think they played very well. Um, Dalvin Cook is an absolute beast. As Derrick Henry is the best running back in football. Dalvin Cook is, like, right there at number two this year. Uh, they, they both are power running backs. I like that that's kind of coming back into style, the ability to just run the ball, control the game. The Vikings controlled the game. The Vikings controlled the tempo of the game on both sides of the ball. I felt like the Vikings were dictating where the game was going. I felt like the Saints were continuously playing catch-up, trying to scrap and claw their way back into it, um, fighting off third downs. They did not do good on third downs yesterday. I think they went like three for nine or three for ten. Uh, it wasn't a good game for them converting third down-wise compared to the Vikings, who kept themselves ahead of the chains more often than not, were in less third-down situations and pushed the ball down the field. So it is it's disappointing, especially being wild-card weekend at home for New Orleans. Um, I think Drew Brees still has at least a few. I don't know what that few, what the exact number is, but I think he's got at least a few more years of good football left in him. But it's tough to get to these. It's tough to get to these situations. It's tough to be a championship contender year in and year out. Mm-hmm. This is three years in a row that they've been there with an old quarterback who's trying to get over that hump to his second Super Bowl ring, and they just haven't been able to get it done. Obviously, the past two years, there's been a lot of circumstances. I mean, they should have beat Minnesota in that first game by far. I mean, Marcus Williams, he kind of just plays that a little bit more hesitantly. They win that game. They go to the conference championship versus us. I'm obviously going to take the Eagles to win that game, but who knows? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, right, right. Year. Exactly. we won't dwell on that because good things happen in 2017. But listen, I mean, and then last year, the, the blown PI call, they're going to be on like the two yard line, getting ready to go to the Super Bowl. So this year, I understand that there's a little bit of uh, social media and questions about the last. Was that a pa- offensive pass interference? Come on. I, I don't think so. I know P.J. Williams did the little hand raise thing. I get it. I get it. Listen, I get it, but that's a bang-bang player. There was not enough play. for them to overturn that. There was not enough for them to overturn that to an offensive pass interference. He gives them a little nudge. You need separation. He went up and caught it. I think it was fine. I know that pass interference is like the most debatable thing ever. You know, it's so subjective to what one person thinks. The DB thinks he did get pass interference. The uh, tight end, Kyle Rudolph, thinks he doesn't. It's a bang-bang play. I wouldn't have caught it either. I think it was clean. I think that either way, that if it was pass interference or if it wasn't, New Orleans had so many opportunities to win that game, man. It was there for them, despite the fact of how bad they played, despite the fact that Minnesota outplayed them. There was opportunities to win that game. The fumble is very tough. I'm, you know, that's Drew Brees hadn't fumbled all year. It's tough to be like, oh, Drew, what are you doing? Bang, bang, play. You know, he's he's got it down. He's looking to throw it. They do teach quarterbacks to keep two hands on the ball, but who am I to tell Drew Brees what to do? You know what I mean? I, 
he's made that play hundreds of thousands of times where he's delivered it on time. Right. It is it is a momentum changer though. It is a momentum changer. It shifted the course of the game. The Vikings had a few plays that were very close. I mean, uh, the first Thielen fumble, if Von Bell keeps his foot in bounds, they're way closer to the end zone. Um, and then right. the Dalvin Cook fumble, that could have went back for a touchdown. Cameron Jordan recovered a fumble where he, like, laid out Kirk Cousins. But there was a false mm-hmm. start on it. It gets called back. So, you know, those are tough. You see opportunities to win the game. But even so, the offense had the ball. They had opportunities to score. Will Lutz, who is normally knocked down, has barely missed it all this year, misses a field goal heading into halftime. They're down 13-10 to 10 at halftime instead of being tied up 13-13. to 13. Yeah. They wind up going to overtime. Those three points could change the entire dynamic of the game. Now, obviously crazy things happen. Minnesota would have had way more to play for if they were down, yada, yada, whatever. It, those three points came back to hurt the Saints. And it's, it's going to be a long offseason. This is one where there's really nowhere to look but the mirror itself, which is unfortunate because, you know what, I mean, those New Orleans fans are fantastic. Uh, the, the, the Superdome is always rocking, you know, and, and the players that they have on that team, they have a lot of talent. Michael Thomas, mm-hmm. it's hard to argue at this point that Michael Thomas is not the best receiver in the game. I, I get it. I love DeAndre Hopkins, too, but it is hard to argue that Michael Thomas is not the best receiver in the game. Alan Kamara he's had a up. down year. He, yeah, yeah Kamara, I, he's there. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to argue, you know, that Thomas isn't the best guy. And then Kamara had a tough year, but he's still one of the best guys out there. Not many guys that I would rather have leading my offense than Drew Brees in the NFL still. He's precision. He does what he does. And it's a tough loss. They need to go out, get some pieces on the defense. I think that they need another corner. Janoris Jenkins was a good pickup, did a good job limiting to Stephon Diggs, who, you know, Stephon Diggs can just become irrelevant in games. And he was yesterday with only two catches. He did that all year for our fantasy teams. Um, and then when Seriously. he did play good, he was on our bench. So next week, maybe Seriously. Stephon Diggs will have a huge Seriously. game. I like Stephon Diggs a lot. I think he has a lot of talent. I think maybe time to move on from Minnesota. I think it would not be the worst idea for Minnesota to go cash in on a high draft pick or a very, very good player for Stephon Diggs this offseason. Uh, I know mm-hmm. Buffalo's got a bunch of defensive linemen and could use a receiver. That would be fun to see if they could work something out. But mm. for Minnesota moving forward, um, I'm, I'm still not convinced that Kirk Cousins is the guy. Listen, I get it. He played good yesterday, but he also makes so many mistakes in every game that he plays. He misses open receivers. He just throws balls into the dirt in front of guys. Stephon oh, he's got, he got lucky yesterday. He got lucky right. yesterday. He did have Stephon that Kirk Cousins two, mistake that you're waiting for. Right. Stephon Diggs had two catches yesterday. And as much as we've said, you know, Stephon Diggs is up and down, get the ball in his hands. You know, put the ball into him on easy stuff. He can make it work. He can make someone miss and go. Thielen had a big game, but you take away that huge play at the end of the game, which was a great ball. Uh, great ball, great catch, all that. Take away that big play at the end of the game, um, you know, let's say that Thielen doesn't get that. He didn't have a good game either. So I'm still not convinced that Kirk Cousins is the best guy to lead that Minnesota franchise moving forward. Like I said for the Patriots, who's better than Tom Brady? I can name some people that are better than Kirk Cousins for you that will give the Minnesota Vikings a better opportunity to win football games next year. So I'm not convinced. It's a good playoff win. It really is. New Orleans was definitely the favorite. They go into New Orleans and win that game. It's an impressive win. He put together – the best drive of his NFL career at the end of the game, but uh, that's the micro. Looking at the macro, I think there's better options out there. I think there's better ways to go, but I'll be excited mm-hmm. to see them play the 49ers next week. Listen, I'm going to pick the 49ers, but I would have definitely picked the Saints if I was a betting man last week, and you know they went out there and pulled off the upset. 
Jimmy Garoppolo, first playoff start. You know, let's see what happens. Should be a lot of smash mouth football in that game. You got Dalvin Cook and you know how in in his tremendous uh, play this season as he's as he was finally healthy um, for the four four for a full season basically. And then you got San Francisco's running game that which features a multitude of running backs from Tevin Coleman to Matt Breida to Raheem Mostert, the former Eagle. You don't know who's going to go off in that backfield, but you got always you know it's going to be up to the Minnesota defensive line to once again perform. On the biggest stage, you know, the games in fo- football is one in the trenches, both on the offensive line and defensive line. If you can stop an opposing team's defensive line, and if you're an offensive line, if you can impose your will and protect your quarterback, you'll more often than not win a football game. And I think, to be honest with you, that analogy, you can use it for every game that happened this weekend. And, and it, and it kind of played true. You know what I'm saying? The, 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 um, the Seahawks defensive line, they got to Josh McCown. Um, Buffalo's defensive line, they got to Deshaun Watson, but Deshaun Watson made it happen. Tennessee imposed their will against against the Patriots' defensive line, and Derrick Henry ran off 182 yards. Minnesota, they got it done. They allowed Cook to get his, and they made life rough and hard for um, – it made life hard for for Drew for Drew Brees in the pocket, you know. And you gotta give him credit. You gotta give him credit there. So when you put all that together, I think that's. I think we put all that together. That's how you can sum up, you know, uh, Wild Card Weekend. Definitely. And I know Coffee, our guy Jason Jones, would love to hear you giving those props to the trenches. You're absolutely right. The game, the football game of football, is one, you know, in between the tackle boxes. Absolutely, it is. And it's look at San Francisco. Obviously they didn't play this weekend. How many years in a row did they draft a defensive lineman in the first round and how valuable and how much of a return on investment has it been for them? Um, They have one of the best defensive lines in the league. Now they're 13 and three after years of being just average at best, very bad some years. And now they're one of the best teams in football. They have a dominating defensive line. You flip that to the offensive line. I love what Tennessee has, man. Uh, a lot of people give us credit as one of the best offensive line, the Eagles that is, and I would agree with that. I think we have one of the best offensive lines when we're healthy, but Tennessee is like right there. Uh, they have great tackles in Lewin and Conklin. Interior-wise with Saffold, and um, I believe their center is and Jones. I'm forgetting the center off the top of my head, but their offensive line gets it done. Obviously, Derek Henry is, is a bulldozer as a runner, um, has a unique set of skills, unique size for how fast he is and for how agile he is, but Tennessee, they control the game with their running game. They move guys out of the way. Derrick Henry has a lot of lanes to run through, and when it's one-on-one with him and basically anyone, uh, I lean towards Derrick Henry's going to win that battle. So you're absolutely right about that. Win in the trenches. Um, it's one of my favorite things about Eagle tight end Dallas Goddard is that he's like an extension of the offensive line. He's like a sixth offensive lineman out there with how good he is at run blocking. Same can be said for San Francisco tight end George Kittle. So absolutely agree with you. I think that this year, the five top quarterbacks, the five top passing yard quarterbacks, not making the playoffs, I think it's, it's, I think it's an eye-opener. Listen, the NFL is a copycat league. The NFL, you go off what works. Teams who can run the ball right now, teams who can dominate the line of scrimmage, dominate the time of possession, they're the teams mm-hmm. that are winning games. They're the teams mm-hmm. that are moving forward. Um, as unique as the Baltimore offense is, we're both huge Lamar Jackson fans, um, as unique as it is, the core of their offense, is dominating the run game is yep. Lamar Jackson having 10 carries for a hundred yards 
Mark Ingram doing his thing on 15 carries. And then Lamar has obviously developed leaps and bounds as a passer. He's become one of the most dynamic passers in the NFL. But Baltimore really won this year off their amazing run game. And there's nothing to be faulted with that. I think that the NFL had this awesome run as a passing league, and it will continue to do so. We will continue to see guys throw for 5,000, 4,000 yards, all that. But I think when you can dominate the line of scrimmage, you can impose your will on a defensive line, it opens things up for the passing game. It leaves the ball in your offense's hand more often. It keeps your defense on the sideline, drinking Gatorade, chopping it up, enjoying life rather than having to be out on the field battling play in and play out. Uh, there's just, you know, the team who has the football more, more times than not, has more opportunities to score. And I think that's what running the ball does for you. So definitely agree with you. The game is won in the trenches between the tackle boxes. Most definitely. I couldn't uh, sum that up better. And I think that's going to wrap up this episode of the Total Sports Live podcast. We appreciate everybody uh, checking out this episode and all our re- and all our past episodes that we've done. Um, you can check them out, as always, like I said, on blogtalkradio.com backslash Total Sports Live. Or you can check it out on Apple Podcasts. Just search Total Sports Live, the TSL podcast. Hit the subscribe button or leave it. Or if you don't want to do that, leave it a review. And a rate, and we really appreciate that as well. Or you could, if you don't like to use Apple Podcasts, you can also check out Spotify as well. Uh, you can check, you can tune in uh, there, and same thing. If you just hit that follow button over there, you'll be able to get every podcast, this one and all our podcasts that we've done over the months and over the years here um, on Total Sports Live. Um, I think that's it, Harrison. I think we wrapped up everything from a Wild Card Weekend. Definitely, uh, it was a. Fun weekend of football, fun podcast with you. Always a pleasure coming on and talking ball with you. Um, I'm looking forward to this weekend. It's going to be another entertaining one. The the, the top two teams, the you know top seeded teams, get to go out and show what they've got. So you know we'll get to see a whole new group of, of playoff football teams. Uh, a couple guys' first playoff games with Lamar and, and Jimmy G. So pretty excited. It most definitely should be another fun weekend of football. My apologies for my dog in the background barking. You know, that's just how dogs, that's just how dogs do. But that's going to wrap this episode. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Jovonten. Follow Harrison on Twitter at on Twitter, excuse me, at Harry Brown Russo. And then you can follow Total Sports Live on Twitter as well at Total Sports Live. And check out TotalSportsLive.com for all your latest news with the Eagles, the NFL, Sixers, G League, everything. TotalSportsLive.com. For me and Harrison, everyone have a good one, and we will talk to you all very soon.